Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, part of the Marketplace Risk Master's Program. The Master's Program offers a full suite of virtual content, engagement, and resources focused on risk management, trust and safety, and legal strategy for startups. Be sure to download the mobile app from the Master's Program on the Marketplace Risk website to connect with hundreds of participants, speakers, and sponsors directly. The Master's Program is presented by Aon, Checker, PackSafe, and we want to thank them and all of our sponsors, including Appers Insights, King & Spalding, Seifarth Shaw, Sitter City, Spectrum Labs, Tint AI, and Willis Towers Watson. Check out the Master's Program Sponsor Center on the Marketplace Risk website for more information about our sponsors to view content they have contributed and to contact them directly. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risk's L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on the sharing of gig economy. L. is also the chair of the Marketplace Risk Advisory Board. Please note, this podcast has been prepared for informational purposes and is not legal advice by the Marketplace Risk team or the presenters. The material discussed should not be construed as legal advice or a legal opinion on any specific issue. We urge you to consult a lawyer concerning your own situation and any specific legal questions you may have. Please contact us at info@marketplacerisk.com, and we can put you in touch with the appropriate professional. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Al. Hello and welcome to the latest episode in the Platform Podcast series. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome Jeremy Gottschalk, who is, of course, the founder of Marketplace Risk. Jeremy, hello. How are you? Hello, I'm doing well. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you for coming on the Platform Podcast. Obviously, we have had, so far, we've had Series 1. This is Series 2. We've had some brilliant founders and really interesting speakers on who have all been part of some of our our webinars and today I wanted to get your perspectives which are going to be a bit different from some of the ones we've had before but hopefully I think what we're going to get today is a bit more of an overarching view on the industry and the marketplace ecosystem so no pressure but (laughs) I've got some (laughs) questions for you Um, but first of all to kick off obviously you've been in the marketplace startup world for a while now looking um obviously with the perspective of risk and trust and safety in mind what type of marketplace do you think has the most difficult time fit with with all this because obviously we talk to a lot of marketplaces here at marketplace risk but what is there one particular kind of marketplace you think has a really rough deal when it comes to to risk management and trust and safety yeah, so I always divide marketplaces up really into two sectors. I think if you wanted to go a little deeper, you could say three or four. Um, one are services. So any type of connection of people offline. Um, the second is going to be you know, property. Uh, so if you're buying or selling. Um, and then the third is is um, kind of like real estate or, or lodging, where there's kind of a combination of both. I think that the, the, the biggest risk is with services, is when you're connecting two humans online um, for an offline uh, transaction or some sort of a service because you – uh, introduce the notion of some sort of an incident between people um, versus uh, you know some uh, property damage or theft or loss or, or fraud. 
Uh, and so I think that you know any sort any type of injury or incident to uh, a person is probably kind of the riskiest of all. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm going to ask you for some some um, obviously non-specific juicy details here. But have you got some examples of some of the the worst predicaments you've seen founders get in when they've not thought risk through at the early stage, perhaps of of their startup, um, p- particularly maybe a service startup? Yeah, I mean, I would say that my kind of passion has become evangelizing risk management specifically for those founders and those executive teams. Um, largely because, uh, you know, founders are focused on building and growing, right? That's what they set out to do. Um, and, and ultimately, and many times, it's to secure funding or an exit, et cetera. And so, um, you know, I, I think that trying to steer them into focusing on trust and safety is kind of hard when there's limited time limited financial resources, uh, limited people working on a project. Uh, and so, you know, I, 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 my, my goal is to get them to start thinking about all of the things that can go wrong, um, not necessarily um, guarding against every single possible uh, bad thing that can happen, but just in the back of their mind. So as they're building, uh, as they're developing, as they're growing, um, that they're kind of prepared for what's to come. Because as I tell people, if you hit scale, if you do things right, bad things will happen, period, full stop. And I know it sounds kind of weird because it, it, it sounds kind of doom and gloom, but the reality is statistically, um, if you do a really good job, bad things are going to happen. And so you know, my goal is really to get them to start thinking about what those bad things are, how people could use their platform for nefarious purposes, um, and 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 start building um, and, and building tools and 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 a team that's kind of focused on that. Do you ever think sometimes, or I, you know, I don't want to be the the grim reaper of marketplaces and talk constantly about sort of you know that things will go wrong and what can go wrong. What what sometimes do you find yourself telling people about? the benefits and what marketplaces have you watched grow and succeed because they've had these strategies in place? Have you got some, you know, success stories that you've seen because things have, um, you know, been paid, paid attention to at the early stage? Yeah. So, you know, I guess the answer to the the first part of that was, um, you know, it it really is, that really is my, um, my job, right? I'm the bearer of bad news um, <laughs> to a large degree, um, and trying to get people to think about things that are not on their radar. You're trying to steer the ship to some degree in a different direction, right? Even maybe just ever so slightly, but it's not what's on their roadmap. So that's kind of problem one. And then, of course, it's coming from a lawyer who, you know, most business folks, let's face it, they don't want to hear from lawyers, right? So you've got a, a topic that they don't uh, really not care about, but really aren't focused on necessarily. Um, and then it's being delivered by somebody that they don't really want to hear it from. So uh, it's kind of a double whammy, if you will. Um, I think that that in terms of successes, you know, the and, and I don't want to pat myself on the back, but um, I think I can tell you, um, having worked in this industry now for you know 15 years almost, Right. Those 15 years ago was like eBay and Craigslist days. 
um, certainly before Airbnb and Uber and all of the, the unicorns that we refer to now. Um, but you know, back, uh, back 10, 12 years ago, it was really the childcare sector that really started focusing on this first. And, and like I say, I know this firsthand because I started working with the founders and the, the GCs um, of these companies um, and got us all together on a regular basis to start focusing on uh, trust and safety, um, at risk management, really figuring out how do we protect the communities, right? How do we protect these vulnerable populations, uh, children primarily, but a lot of these um, platforms also uh, focus on senior care as well. So two very vulnerable populations. And uh, the, these, these platforms were very, very receptive um, to getting together and, and focusing on it. And so I would say that, that the child care, any sort of child care related, so whether it's babysitters, uh, tutors, uh, nannies, coaches, um, the, uh, the youth rideshare companies, they really were leading the charge way back when people really weren't um, talking about any of this publicly. Um, and I think that if you look at um, uh, kind of the, the data, you'll see that the, prior to even some of these large unicorns having very publicized incidents and issues, Childcare industry was ahead of them, right? Uh, they they kind of got it under control. Bad things are always going to happen. You can't catch it all. It's just impossible, especially with the volume that's transacted on these platforms. But um, I would say that the the the, the childcare uh, marketplaces really took it seriously very very early um, and worked together very cohesively to address these these issues very early on. Do you think that that was in the U.S. specifically and that that's influenced the rest of the world? Or do you think that there are sort of bubbles of this happening or, you know, because obviously at Marketplace Risk particularly, we're working more and more more globally and we're seeing people doing things differently in different regions. What To what extent do you think that, that the U.S. was kind of leading the charge there? Or um, do you see people doing things completely differently elsewhere? Yeah, so there's a little bit, you know, the U.S. had a head start, right? So um, I, I won't bore you with kind of the, the legislative slash legal details, but um, the U.S. really founded this marketplace um, kind of industry, um, largely due to a federal law that protects platforms from um, online and offline behavior of their users. Um, and so that really opened the gate for these businesses to uh, proliferate. Um, so as a result of that, um, you know, we had a head start in um, uh, scaling and experiencing bad things. Uh, and so um, I think that, that it really did originate here um, uh, both you know the the industry by virtue of the the legal protections but then of course by by virtue of the head start um, you know the the cycle uh, mm -hmm. the life cycle of some of these so obviously I want to talk a bit about marketplace risk um, but you know I think it, you know for for everyone, really, 2020 has been a bit of a crazy year. And we've obviously here um, had to, to make some changes. What, how would you sort of sum up 
the you know the situation because obviously we have enjoyed real life real time in face-to-face events um especially in san francisco and and this year has been really different how has the the journey through 2020 been and and how have you felt that the marketplace risk community has has prevailed in in these weird circumstances you know, it's, it's been a really interesting, what I will call uh, maybe prematurely a case study. Um, you know, first of all, I think that um, if you take a step back, you know, these are startups. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people don't want to talk about Facebook, Airbnb, Uber startups, but the reality is, is they're, they're um, still early in, in on kind of an industry cycle. So, uh, you know, I still lump them in as startups, but I understand people object to that. But so, so we're talking about startups, um, and uh, you know, just by virtue of a startup, um, there's a lot of uh, pivoting and uh, adjusting and modifying you do from kind of, uh, in conception of an idea to kind of execution and and building and, and certainly growing. And so I think in the DNA of a startup, uh, founder, executive team, leadership team, um, a larger team, is uh, this ability um, and willingness to pivot, transition, modify, et cetera. So what's been fascinating is to see startups that have really leveraged um, their, their, who they are, their DNA, their core skills in these unprecedented times. I, I, you know, what's been even more interesting are the platforms who have, or the platform leaders who have really dug into the problems uh, and the byproducts associated with COVID um, and have transitioned their platform or their service offering or how they deliver it or um, some, some platforms just altogether um, to meet the new needs um, of their community. And so what's been interesting is there's been, you know, an increase in interest, um, I think largely because, uh, you know, people are obviously at home virtual, so they've got a little bit more time. They're focusing on, on a lot of these issues. Um, but to, to me, I think the most interesting thing has been to, to see these platforms become the lifeline for so many families. You know, I, obviously the, I think the, most notable and visible are grocery deliveries, um, you know, uh, pharmaceutical and prescription delivery, uh, food delivery, uh, restaurant delivery, etc. Um, but the reality is, so many of these platforms have really pivoted to to serve their communities better. Um, so it's you know it, it's been super interesting just to witness all of that because, mm-hmm. like I said, it's in their DNA and they've done such a good job. At, at really figuring out what the, the problem is and meeting the need. And, and, and might I add, you know, traditional industries move much slower. And so, it, you know, the, these, these marketplaces, these platforms, you know, they, they rose to uh, the forefront um, very, very quickly, in some cases overnight. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, to me, that's, that's just been fascinating to be a part of because um, we're all living this, we're all impacted by it. And um, to be, you know, part of that, you know, a small part of the solution to um, this, this seemingly never ending problem has been fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some, um, some platforms literally rebrand, pivot, you know, change their offering, launch, and, you know, 
in the space of 24 hours it's incredible and to be that agile with your thinking and you know with the actual you know getting a new a new style of business going is incredible and I don't think any traditional business would have been able to to move their infrastructure that that fast um, yeah obviously you know we've had our own version of events at marketplace risk and we have done the master's program and launched this the the platform podcast as well did you worry about uh, a kind of you know all the other noise out there and and how you know i mean i i know because these are the conversations that we had but how did you feel that it was important to differentiate from some of the other content that was being put out there i mean I suppose we we do we are already in a position where we do have a, a kind of you, you know a, a unique offering but it, it was tricky i suppose for us to make sure that we didn't get drowned out by other noise yeah so um you, you know you lived it as well right i mean i think at the beginning none of, none of us living uh have been through this and then within the startup community um you know certainly none of us i think has conceptualized this right fully um and so at the beginning it was really taking stock of go what's going on it was it was incomprehensible it was very hard to even understand um once you figure out what is actually going on and the impact of it then the question is you know how do you pivot how do you keep going because I, I, you know, I saw dozens uh, that that I personally am connected with, or attended, or spoke at of conferences and and events that just simply shut down, just canceled, and then dozens more that uh, simply took everything online in much the same format. And the one thing I th I, I thought in, in, in thinking kind of ahead um, was that. People are going to be at home in front of their computers for a long time. Um, and I don't know about you know you or any of the listeners, but the idea of sitting in front of your computer um, at, for an eight-hour you know, conference or three-day conference um, uh, without any of the human interaction that comes along with it, was dreadful. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, I just thought there's just no way I wouldn't do it. So I would not ask or expect anybody else to do it. So the idea really was how do we um, continue to deliver content and resources to these startups that are really fighting for their life um, in a way that is still going to resonate and be impactful. Um, and so, you know, the first thing was, um, we made everything completely free. As you know, you know the, plat the idea is that the platform is uh, full of free resources for startups. Startups don't have the resources. And again, a lot of times the focus on some of these issues. And so the idea is to be there for them in any event. Um, but taking these, the, the few paid events that we have um, and, and turning them free was kind of a first step. Uh, again, everyone's hurting, and and we had the ability to, um, you know, to, to kind of minimize uh, some of the the costs associated with putting on the events and, and deliver it. The other thing, though, was del delivering it a, a little more creatively. Uh, and so, of course, we spread everything out. Um, we we uh, offered some live events where we you know knew that people would be interested in, in uh, watching live, attending live, engaging, asking questions. 
uh, et cetera. But we also realize that you know, people's lives are turned upside down right now. There are kids at home. Um, parents are homeschooling. They're babysitting and they're working all at the same time. Um, and if you've got pets, you're you're also pet sitting now, right? So parents went from you know a single job at a time or a single focus to three, four, five different focus, things to focus on. Uh, so as a result of that, we thought, let's let's record as much as we can so it's available on demand. And then, of course, everything live is available on demand. And then we layered on uh, additional features that, that replicated a lot of that connection as best we could with in-person events. Um, and, you know, I think the app and, and the ability to kind of chat with people and create um, groups and, and hangouts and things like that. Obviously, it doesn't replace that human connection that you get at an in-person event, but it allowed for uh, the community to continue to connect with one another um, in a, uh, a different way that, that wasn't um, essentially the way everybody else was doing mm-hmm. it. Um, so I, and I think that that really... Uh, showed through in in just the sheer number of people that attended um, and participated in the Mm -hmm. master's program. Yeah, and I think that there is this sense that as 2020 starts to draw to a close, I mean, here in the UK, we're certainly feeling that there's almost a feeling of of bedding into this, whatever, new new normal. I know some people are calling it, I hope it's not, but, you know, this, people are getting more used to the way that they're living their lives. They're adjusting to working at home and, you know, all the other pressures that, that are on us. What do you think that, I mean, obviously none of us know what what 2021 is going to hold, but for Marketplace Risk, obviously we've been making some plans, but, you know, it's all very dependent, isn't it? But do you not get the sense that the work that we've done in 2020, you know, it will kind of see us through depending on what this new normal looks like, but regardless of it at the same time? Yeah, I, I, I definitely do. I mean, we so the master's program um, doubled in size from the conference, the in-person conference the year before. So to me, that's indicative that there's there's a need. Right. Um, there's there, there's still a lack of resources for startup teams. Uh, to focus on risk, trust, and safety, and, and legal. So, um, I think that that is a great foundation. Um, and of course, uh, you know, we've been uh, increasing the frequency of the podcasts and the blogs and the webinars, so that it, you know we're trying to to hit people where they want to be um, uh, receive this information. Um, and I think that that all laid a fantastic foundation for 2021. I think the other part of 2021, though, is I think we're all getting used to social distancing, masking, things like that. And so, uh, if you know, even if um, the, you know that we still are in the pandemic, there's still going to be some pandemic hangover um, after it quote unquote officially ends. And so, you know, I think that you know, as we start to plan for 2021, we'll have a mixture of of this great foundation upon which we can build. But also, um, you know, some maybe they're smaller in-person events um, that that uh, kind of uh, follow all of these kind of what you call kind of the new normal um, guidelines. And for marketplaces themselves, I think it's going to be interesting as well, because we've seen this, you know, fast pivot. We've seen, you know, unfortunately, some 
in-person marketplaces, you know, really have to kind of either, you know, not succeed at all or change completely. We've seen um, models where they adapt to service, maybe key workers, that type of thing. How will that, do you think, all bed in in, in in 2021? Because obviously you and I are also seeing really early stage marketplaces now launching because there's been a mass adoption of technology where, you know, maybe people weren't using apps and that type of thing before. But I presume it's got to level off to a degree. And when people can get back to face to face, they're going to want to do that as well. So have you got any predictions for what the marketplace landscape will look like once things start to settle down from a pandemic point of view and and after the kind of, you know, the kind of reaction phase has has ended? Yeah, so you know, I think the the interesting thing, uh, you know, again, this will go into a case study someday. But you know, the interesting thing is, is I think the younger generations, the digital natives, were um, uh, most adaptable to this because you know they are so ingrained in technology um, and connecting with one another through technology. Um, unlike you know people our age and older. Who had to kind of learn how to engage and interact um, digitally? So I think that that's kind of interesting because I, I think what the pandemic has done is increased adoption greatly um, for us older generations. You know, basically people, you know, I would say I don't know, 35, 40, and older um, are 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 really have, have been the biggest. Um, uh, adopters during this this period. So I think that, you know, a couple kind of predictions. One, a lot of marketplaces have been born out of this pandemic. So, mm. uh, you know, I hate to say silver lining and pandemic in the same sentence, but there, for, for our world, for our community, I think that there has been um, uh, a lot of innovation and growth uh, just due to the, the benefits of these marketplaces. Um, but I also think for the marketplaces themselves, one thing we've seen is, is how productive people can be um, working from home. I, I see a lot of uh, platforms and companies that have gone completely remote forever, um, which great. I mean, they've they've done the research and and they've seen that that works for themselves. I, I think the the more accurate prediction is um, uh, better flexibility for um, employees, uh, for founding teams, um, often younger um, younger children, the ability to stay home. Um, when you know your kid just that doesn't feel great, but um, you know you wants to stay home from school, you don't have to have a babysitter come in or find emergency care. You just stay home, and it's normal. Um, and I think that that is going to come out of this as one of the biggest and best insights into um, how teams work, how they engage. I think people are going to go back to the office because they want to. I've heard countless, dozens, literally dozens of companies um, whose employees want to go in the office and they, they can't now. Uh, and so I think that the offices are going to look different. I think that the, um, the daily makeup is going to be uh, quite different, right? So you're going to see some people some days, some other days. But I think the productivity and the outcome is going to be the same, if not better, because 
we've developed um, the ability to improve work-life balance for everybody. Um, and I think that, that it's been just a, a great lesson in the ability for companies to be flexible um, for their employees. Marketplaces particularly, again, whose uh, you know, employees skew younger um, and, and you know, desire that, that uh, flexibility. I like your positive take on it. And I'm going to ask you one more question before we wrap up. You've, you do a great um, sort of boot camp for, for a sort of risk management boot camp, don't you? I've seen you do it in, at the conference in San Francisco. Um, yeah. And I wanted to ask, do you think 2020 will have changed that? You know, if, if you get to do it again, hopefully in person in San Francisco, what things in 2021 will be different about that what what types of you know what are the new risks if any and and what things will you have to build into that yeah so um we're actually planning on doing a um virtual version of the boot camp with um uh, M Broker, they present the boot camp um and uh, we're working right now on um a virtual uh, boot camp for the for Q1 next year, and then um, we'll do it in person at uh, the conference in September. You know, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. But we should be uh, we should be out of the woods by then. But um, <clears throat> so the boot camp, for those of you who don't know, is is really kind of four different um, modules that really break down a startup. A marketplace startup in particular, but the reality is that 75% of the content we cover, maybe even more, 90% applies to any really e-commerce business. Um, uh, and and basically, we walk through the highlights and and uh, really give you everything you need to know in you know half of a day, uh, generally about four or five hours. And it you know it moves quick, right? It's a lot of information. It's a lot to consume. Um, but it's, it is a really the most comprehensive, I can say this with confidence, the most comprehensive um, kind of risk management for marketplace startup um, uh, education seminar, you, whatever you want to call it. Super efficient, right? A lot of what we cover in there um, doesn't change because no. it, it has to do with the law. It has to do a lot with insurance, how you leverage insurance, um, how you respond to incidents, technology that's available. The thing that is changing is the sheer volume of um, transactions, of users, the, the increased amount of incidents, types of fraud, and things like that. So the reality is when we're looking at all of this uh, kind of holistically, we are very, very focused on how everything has changed as a result of the pandemic. Um, so it's more about the, the volume of, of fraud and incidents and how to handle them. And that accelerates, I think, people's need to pay attention and focus on, on risk and trust and safety. Well, hopefully we will get to see that in person in San Francisco next year. And um, we are just coming up to the end now. So I just wanted to thank you for not just being a guest, but obviously a very special guest on the Platform Podcast. And... Um, and thank you for um, for all these insights. And I like the um, you know the crystal ball into 20, 2021 as well. It, it felt felt quite positive. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we're listen. We, we want to get back to see everybody, but 
we're going to be here uh, in kind of whatever medium makes the most sense and uh, we'll continue to uh, pump out content and, and resources regardless of what 2021 looks like. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks. Thank you for tuning into the Master's Program Platform Podcast. Check out the Master's Program on the Marketplace Risk website at marketplacerisk.com, where you will find 12 tracks of content featuring over 80 speakers in more than 65 sessions. You can also download the mobile app to connect with participants, speakers, and sponsors from around the world. Be sure to follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk. Tune in next week for another podcast.